Would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Jonah near the end of the Old Testament? We're in a series of messages entitled, Jonah, the Diary of a Backslidden Preacher. This is the third of four installments in this series. Today's message is entitled, Taking It to the Streets. So I hope that you will listen attentively this morning because God has a message for us as members of First Baptist. This message is so important, not only to the life of this church, but also to the life of this community. God has a message for you today. So I want you to prayerfully listen to what he has to say as we listen to the word of God this morning. As Christians, we gather by the millions every Sunday to lift up our voices in praise, prayer, and proclamation. Strangely, as soon as we leave our church buildings, we lose our voices. To a large degree, we ignore the great commission given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Whether actively or passively, many of us have disobeyed God's command to take his message of salvation to the streets. Most of us are guilty of the same sin that Jonah committed. That's right, many of us are guilty of the same sin that Jonah committed. God had told him to go to Nineveh and preach to the people of that wicked city. He refused and headed to Tarshish instead of listening to the word of God. God used a storm to redirect his path. Just like many times he will use storms in our lives to redirect us back to where we need to be spiritually. After being thrown overboard, he was swallowed by a great fish. During Jonah's three days and three nights in the belly of this great sea creature, we find that Jonah had a renewed outlook, a change of mind. We see that Jonah repented. He had a change of direction. And rather than running from God, now he is willing to obey God. And so what God does is commission the fish now to take Jonah, vomit him up onto dry ground. Once freed from the fish, Jonah obeyed God by going to Nineveh. As we read this entry into Jonah's diary today, we're reminded that we also need to repent of the sin of silence. And began to take the message of salvation into the streets of Douglas, Georgia and surrounding areas. Once Jonah repented, what happened next was truly amazing. And what I want us to do now for the next few minutes is to look at the process that God used in Jonah's life once he repented. This is a very important message for us as a church So pay close attention if you would. First of all, notice in chapter 3, the book of Jonah, verses 1 through 4, we see the prophet recommissioned. 
God recommissioned Jonah the prophet to go and do what he had already told him to do. Look with me now in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God shouldn't have to speak twice to us as his children, should he? I said, God should not have to speak, but once to us as his children. Amen? Amen. And God had already spoken to Jonah, but Jonah disobeyed him. And he went in the opposite direction. Tarshish was a long way from Nineveh. And his disobedience led him into a storm. Now that God has redirected him, and now that he has repented, the word of the Lord comes to him the second time. Do you realize that when we're far from God, we're not as open to hear what he has to say to us? We are not as attentive. And so God has to put us into situations where we see our desperation. And once we are desperate and we're willing to listen, God will speak to us again. And so he speaks to Jonah a second time and commands him what to do. So he is recommissioned by God to go to Nineveh. And we see in verse 2, notice this recommission was that he go to Nineveh, that great city. Now, he didn't like Nineveh. If you have been here before during this series, you will remember that I told you that Assyria was the country, Nineveh was the capital of the country, and the Assyrians were vile and wicked people. They committed many atrocities. And they were hated by the Jews because they afflicted such pain and suffering upon their country. They were subject unto them. And so when God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, he does not want to go there because he hated these people. Now Nineveh is called a great city four times in the book of Jonah. Chapter 1 verse 2, chapter 3 verses 2 and 3, chapter 4 verse 11. So it was indeed a great city. It was founded by Noah's great grandson Nimrod. You read about that in Genesis chapter 10 verses 8 through 10. The circumference of the city and its surrounding cities was 60 miles. That's a huge city, is it not? Around 600,000 people lived within this area. One of the walls surrounding the city of Nineveh itself was eight miles in circumference. Around 150,000 people lived in Nineveh. Around 600,000 people lived within that area, as I've mentioned. That's a lot of people, 600,000 people, folks. And 150,000 within the walled area. It was one of Assyria's, the Assyrian Empire's greatest cities. And as I mentioned earlier, earlier it was uh, also a capital at one period of time for that country. So here is this Nineveh, this, this great city filled with wicked people that did vile things. 
These were idolatrous people. These were immoral and violent people. And God is sending his prophet into that context to preach to them the good news message. That God loves them and will save them if they would repent. If they would turn from their wicked deeds and believe in him. So we see that he is recommissioned to Nineveh. Also, Jonah is recommissioned to preach. Look in verse 2. The second part of verse 2 says this. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Now, here's a very important point. Any preacher has the responsibility to preach the word of God. You missed a great place to say, man, I heard one or two say it. (laughs) The preacher's responsibility is not to please the people. The preacher's responsibility is to please God. And what is most pleasing unto God is when the preacher obeys God by preaching the word of God to people. That's what we're called to do is to preach the word of God. Stay with the text. What does the Bible say? You did not come here today in order to hear my opinion about stuff or to hear me tell you stories. You came here to hear a word from God's word. And the word of God came to Jonah and he was commissioned to go and preach that message to the people. So he says, arise and go to this great city and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. That is, Jonah, you speak what I tell you to speak. You say what I tell you to say. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of God. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey to walk. That is, it took three days to walk around the city of Nineveh if you walk 20 miles per day. Now, folks, this is a huge city. Now, can you imagine feeling overwhelmed? You're the only believer in the city? Around 600,000 people within the metroplex of Nineveh? 150,000 within the city walls? You're the only one who believes in God. They're the one true and living God. You're the one with a life-saving message to deliver to them. And you know of their cruelty. You've heard and witnessed with your own ears and eyes how violent they are. And now you are commissioned to go and preach to these people. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed in Douglas. Because we look around us and we... We see the evidence of lostness everywhere. And we wonder, well, what can I do? Let me tell you the only thing God expects us to do, and that is to obey him. And what he has told us is to go into the world and preach the gospel. When we're faithful to obey God and carry out his message, we can see life change. And we see an example of that in this very passage. Verse 4 tells us, then Jonah began to go through the city. One day's walk. So he goes essentially to the center of the city. He walks into the city. And he cried out and said, yet 
Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He is preaching to them that there is a God in heaven, the one true and living God, the creator and the sustainer of all things. And that this one true and living God is just and holy and righteous and there's no one else like him. And he has sent me, Jonah is saying, to preach to you and say, unless you turn to him, acknowledging your sin and believing in him alone. God is going to destroy this city. He gives you 40 days. 40 days. That was the message. What a powerful message it was. God had recommissioned him to preach that message. I'm so glad that we serve a God of the second chance. The Bible is filled with examples of people who were given another opportunity to obey God. Abraham and Sarah sinned when they tried to advance God's plan through Ishmael. They repented and God gave them Isaac. David sinned when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet boldly stood before him and said... David, you are the man. You're the man who sinned against God and committed this evil act. And David repented. God allowed him to live and remain the king of Israel. Peter sinned by denying Jesus. He even denied him three times. And the third time when he denied him, he cursed and said, I don't even know the man. He repented and God used him to build his church. Many of us need to repent of our sins, including the sin of silence when it comes to the message of the gospel. Here's the good news. God will forgive us and he will allow us to be involved in advancing his kingdom. What would happen in Douglas, Georgia If all the members of First Baptist Church got right with God. If we would all come clean before the Lord and acknowledge our sins before Him. Turn from those sins in obedience. And begin to walk in fellowship with the the Lord daily. What would happen in our community? Well, let's see what happened in Nineveh. Not only do we see the prophet recommissioned, we see the people repented as a result of the proclamation of God's word. Look in verse 5, and we see that they believed in God. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. They heard the message. And they believed the word being preached. God had already prepared them. They knew something was wrong inside. They knew something was missing. The life that they lived was not satisfying. And so when Jonah came and preached the word of God and the power, the spirit of God, 
the people believe the message. And when people believe the message of God, transformation occurs. We see not only did they believe in God, but they they grieved because of sin. Let's continue to read now in verse 5. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. Now think of it. Here is this king. He hears the prophet Jonah, probably still smelling the fish. Standing there in the city square saying, yet in 40 days, God is going to destroy Nineveh. God has sent me here to tell you that if you don't get right with him, he is going to destroy this wicked place. There's a one true and living God who loves you, who sent me to warn you. Repent, turn to God, believe in him. Or he will destroy this city. The king hears the message. Fear grips his heart. He's overwhelmed. He believes the report. He believes the message. And so without prompting, he simply takes off his regal royal robes. And he puts on sackcloth. Sackcloth was a rough garment, a great contrast from those soft clothes that the king wore. That rough garment would rub against your skin. It was made of goat's hair. It was black in color, which symbolized deep grief. And in that day, they would put on sackcloth as a symbol of, as a sign of, an expression of their grief over something. And he sat down in ashes, which was another expression of grief. What is the king doing? He is acknowledging before God that he has sinned against God. That he has acted in a wicked way. And he wants to turn from his sin and he believes God. He's asking God to show forgiveness to him. And not only does the king do this, but notice what happens. He issues this command. Let's continue to read in verse 7. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. Here he issues this decree that Every person, even the animals, be covered in sackcloth. And that no one can eat. No one can drink a thing, not even the animals. From the richest to the poorest. From the greatest to the smallest. From the oldest to the youngest. 
He is calling for his entire city to turn to God. What would happen in America today if our leaders issued such a proclamation that we turn from God, that we have offended holy, righteous God, and that God is displeased with our sin because he will not and cannot tolerate evil. It's only by his grace that he has stayed his hand of punishment. But his judgment will surely fall. And if we do not get right with God, our nation cannot stand. What would happen in this country if God's people cried out to the Lord in such an expression of grief over our sins? They were grieved over their sins. They could not rest. They could not go about their normal activities because they realized they had offended holy God. And they're overwhelmed with this guilt. And they're crying. They're not eating. They're not drinking. Because they are overwhelmed due to God's convicting power. Not only do we see that they were grieved because of sin, but they called on God. Look at the latter part of verse 8. He said, and let men call on God earnestly. That is, this can't be a mechanical sort of a thing or a manipulated thing. It must come from the heart. True repentance comes from the heart. He's calling his nation To deal with their own sinfulness. And then notice with me, if you would, they turn from wickedness. Let's continue to read in verse 8. That each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Friend, that is what you call repentance. When you're going in one direction, you're acting wickedly. You hear the message of truth proclaimed to you. You fall under conviction by the Holy Spirit. You acknowledge that you have sinned and you say, I'm tired of going in this direction. Now God is showing me a different way and I'm going to obey him through his power and strength. I'm going to turn and begin to walk in obedience. Once you believe in God, he empowers you to make that turn. That's what we see in the nation of Assyria, specifically here in the city of Nineveh, a turning from sin. But that's not all. Verse 9 tells us they long for God's mercy. Now, this is very important. Look in verse 9. Who knows, the king said, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Folks, do you realize that God, the Bible says, is angry with the wicked every day? Now, listen, I'm quite aware that this is not a popular message. You won't hear this message everywhere. Most people want to hear a message that makes them feel good and happy. You have the wrong preacher. If that's your desire of me. My desire is to preach the word of God. 
And ultimately, our obedience to the Word of God brings joy unspeakable in our lives. Victory and freedom and hope and deliverance come when we trust the Lord God. But here we see that God is a holy God. But although He is holy and righteous and His judgment will fall upon the wicked, God loves us. He loves the wicked in the sense that He wants to see them redeemed because God does not take pleasure in pouring out His wrath. The Bible says that. This is a demonstration of that truth. So in His great love, He has provided the only means whereby we can be forgiven. And as New Testament believers, we know that God has sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live without sin and to die in our place, bearing our penalty, our sin, our shame in His body when He died upon the cross. And with great victory, He was raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us if we will acknowledge that we are sinners, believe that Jesus is the Savior, and be willing to give our lives to Him, surrender ourselves to Him, we will be forgiven of our sins and be declared righteous by God Given eternal life and hope not only for eternity, but for this present existence. Friend, let me tell you, there's nothing better than that. And if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior today, I have good news for you. You have the opportunity while we live in this day of grace to be forgiven of your sins, cleansed and made right with God. What a joyous truth that is. Not only is it a truth... For those who don't know the Lord Jesus, but for those of us who are saved, God desires for us to walk with Him. He wants us to live for Him, to serve Him, and obey Him. And just as the king said, who knows God may turn and relent and withdraw His burning anger so that we will not perish. I can't help but think about our nation today. When I see what's going on in our country, it grieves my soul. And I'm telling you, friend, we're not waiting for the judgment of God to fall on America. It has already fallen on America. Don't you see that? Folks, we have people who are at top levels of leadership in our country who are actually promoting infanticide. The killing of children after they're born. Folks, it doesn't get much worse than that. If you can kill the most innocent among us without any shame or embarrassment, you are living in a country where the judgment of God has already come. We're living in the days of Romans chapter 1. And I'm telling you, if America does not repent and turn to God, we will lose our country. Now, our chief motivation to obey God should not be to save our country. It should be because God is holy and He deserves us to live for Him. But a natural consequence of obedience to God is that God's blessings will come. And here the people repented. Have you noticed that the world is like a sewer? 
Evil abounds everywhere, not just in America, but throughout the world. It seems as if the world is is growing increasingly more and more wicked every day. It may surprise you, but the greatest problem is not sin in the world. The greatest problem is sin in the church. I won't say that for you again. The greatest problem is not sin out there in the world somewhere among the lost. The greatest problem is sin among the people of God. Folks, we need to have the same experience that Jonah had in the belly of the whale or the great fish, whatever type of sea monster it was. We need to have a revival. You see, if we get right with God as believers, then we can do what Jonah did. We can take it to the streets. We can proclaim the truth out in the streets of Coffee County and Atkinson County. And we can see a spiritual awakening begin to take place in our own town that can spread across our state and impact literally millions of people. But we have to make sure that we are right with God. And friend, there's not a single one of us here today who could say, you know, I never sin. I'm a Christian and I'm always living for God. We all need to confess our sins and repent of our sins as Christians. How can we pretend to be able to speak for God and be living out with great power? The life he's intended for us. While at the same time we're holding on to our sins. The people repented. And now let's see what happened. Notice the punishment rescinded. We see the punishment rescinded. Look with me in verse 10. The punishment was rescinded, motivated to rescind. The motivation came, verse 10 says, then the Lord commanded the fish. The Lord commanded the fish. Now the fish obeyed God. Sometimes a fish has more sense than a man. But he commanded the fish. He was motivated to rescind his judgment because of the response of the people. Notice the mercifulness of God. He was merciful to rescind the punishment. Verse 10 continues and tells us this. When God saw their deeds that they were and had turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them and he did not do it. So God commanded the fish to spit up Jonah Jonah goes to Nineveh, he preaches the message, then the people hear the word of God, they're convicted of their sins, they cry out to God in repentance, they turn from their wicked way, and then God withdraws his hand of judgment from them because they cried out to him in repentance. He rescinds his punishment. Wouldn't it, be God, wouldn't it be great if we saw God do that here in Coffee County today? That's what I pray for. Is that there will be a spiritual awakening in our county 
in our region where God will move among his people to witness and share the good news and the grace of God. You know, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were two criminals crucified, one on either side of him. And they all began to deride Jesus, even those standing underneath the cross. And those two criminals joined in in their derision. And they said, if you're really the Christ, why don't you take yourself off the cross and bring us with you? But as time went on, something happened. There was a change in one of these criminals. And he said, you know, we deserve to be here, but, but Jesus has done nothing wrong. And he said these words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at the thief and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Hear the last words of this criminal as he was drawing his last breath was to cry out to God in repentance. And there we see a loving God demonstrate grace. Now he didn't say to the thief, if you can get off the cross and go improve your life and clean it up a little bit, then you can come back we'll talk about it. No, he said today you'll be with me in paradise. Some of you need to hear that message today. That God's grace is being extended to you as a free gift if you will by faith receive it. Your life can be changed. You can be transformed. You can be delivered. God does not take pleasure in pouring out his wrath, but his holiness demands that sinners pay the price for their sins. While there is still time, we need to pour out into the streets and tell the people here in our city what Jesus has told us. That there is grace for those who call upon the name of the Lord. Every year thousands and thousands of people lay down their lives through persecution due to their faith. Yet here in America many of us allow fear, busyness, laziness, unconcern or other sins to keep us silent. I say to you, we cannot remain silent any longer. We must take the gospel message out of the church house and into the streets. But before we do that, dear people, we have to make sure that we're right with God. My message to you this morning from God's word is this. If you are a Christian... God is calling you and God is calling me to take an inventory of our lives based upon what he has revealed in his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we examine ourselves and if we see any sin in our lives, it is time that we grieve over our sin and that we cry out to God and say, God, Forgive me for this sin. Whether it is gossip, backbiting, disunity, thievery, 
Stealing from God. No matter what the sin is. It is time that we confess our sins and turn from our sin in repentance. Now folks, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years. I have preached thousands upon thousands of sermons. And here's what the average Christian will do. They will hear the message. Listen, they will hear the message. They may even give assent to the message. And then they will walk out of the church building and forget everything that's been said. We cannot afford, we cannot afford for that to happen today. There is too much at stake. This is too important. There's too much on the line. What I'm asking you to do Christian people, I'm talking to believers, is to seek the face of God with heads bowed and with eyes closed. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord, show me any wicked way in my life. And I want you to understand, I'm not speaking down to you because I'm right here on the level ground with you. I'm, I'm, I'm level ground with you at the foot of the cross. We're all, listen, look right here. Listen to me. We all need to confess our sins before the Lord. And we all need to get right with Him. There's nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. Would you pray with me? Dear God. I thank you for the attentiveness of your people today. I thank you for your clear word from your word as to what we need to do. Father, I pray that you will convict my heart and the hearts of your people here today, Lord, of any sin that's in our lives that we have overlooked or we've held on to. Maybe no one else knows about it. But you know about it and you're displeased with it because you love us and you know what sin does in the human heart.